Once again, good morning, folks. It's time for us to enter for meditation. And uh, let's pray. Our Father, we want to open our hearts to you for entire service from worship to prayer to meditation at this point and also the time of fellowship later on. Continue to seek your presence and your leading in us. We know, Lord, it's not easy to make us to a way to the church this Sunday, but we thank you for your enabling grace, sustaining and leading us step by step to the way that we can come to sing to your glory. So watch over us, Lord, your goodness. And we pray that the Spirit Himself will guide us in our meditation so that we are able to nurture our faith in You and continue this journey to love You and to love one another. In Jesus' loving name we pray. Amen. Folks, this morning our meditation is on Seek the Lord and based on just the text on Jeremiah 29. Uh, reading actually from 11 to 13, I'll do it later on. And also a couple of other passages to share with you. Uh, but first of all, you realize that this week is a camp week. Uh, you already received the uh, camp letter, uh, preparing yourself for the camp. Uh, tempted to ask you, how many of you are not will not be in the camp, you know? I hope not many, but uh, at least half of you will be in the church camp. Are you or not? I hope so, right? I hope to look forward to see you. And then that's all next Sunday. We don't have the help. <coughs> I think we'll be preparation back here. So I guess the camp line reminds us a time of family bonding, uh, meeting up with new friends, and also getting to know uh, friends better in a friendship. And also take time off from our routine, so to speak. Uh, maybe just few days away from the workplace. And we'll see how we will really enjoy our church camp. Hopefully there will be a durian party too. So near to uh, Johor, Malaysia. <coughs> but on top of that, I'm sure if your kids are preparing to go, they are so excited that they can't even sleep at night on the, on the eve of the camp uh, day. So I get these are the side excitement you can see for the children coming to us. And let me tell you, I rejoice to see kids with that kind of emotion, excitement. They are real. They are real. And you ask us as adults, camp, so solar. But for the kids, it's really exciting. Eh? Uh, they miss it uh, two years already. You know, or because now this, we only have two years once. So I, I guess the excitement to look at a kid is very great. Then I ask ourselves, are you excited uh, over our Christian faith for the Lord this day? And then realize that uh, in a team, and you build up with a team on seek the Lord, I'd like you draw your attention to the passage on Colossians chapter 3, too, you can see from the slide, about how Paul writes about the way we should focus uh, on the kingdom value. And this is how he writes in Colossians chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, 
see those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind and things above and not things on the earth for you die and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ is and Christ who is alive appear, then you also appear with him in glory. And so Paul uh, very optimistic about the Christian faith that if you and I are placed, have placed our faith in God, so our focus now really to be more on upward path than just the earthly item. You know, very basically, uh, you know, kind of movement, you look in front, you look at your side, or look at the back, but hardly we look up. And then aeroplane fly over, or something in the air. But the challenge, the spirit that we think of is, uh, folks, we are on earth, that we also must have some kind of heavenly vision uh, focusing on God and God alone. And so it would be good that Paul remind us uh, through the text of meditation to seek the Lord in a way. And so here as disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, we know He has come to change our life from the old nature to a new nature. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 will say that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new person. Old things will pass away, new things will begin to flourish uh, in our midst. And then the Bible also talks about the nature of our body, of the flesh, will now more be controlled by the spirit than just by the flesh. And so we are kind of on the uh, upward path to look at Jesus and Him alone. So in short, a Christian is basically who experience the second birth, the spiritual birth, were able to kind of have this seeking of God in mind all the time. Because Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 also reminded us that you are now make a life away from the sinful nature that we have gone through. And so here you realize that the upward path looking should be very real to us. It's real that you are like living now on earth. And even Paul was talking about even one day when we die, fear not, because we are only ready to meet the Lord in the heavenly glory. And so here Paul, uh, basically very positive in his faith about the vision of looking at Jesus. If you are then raised up with Christ, see those things that are above. That Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father, so we put aside our earthly kind of struggle in a certain way. So here we ask ourselves this morning, a part of our meditation, how do we set our mind on things of God? How do we set our mind on things of God? How do we seek God in a very personal manner? And the Bible has few or more passages to refer to us about the idea of seeking God. Uh, let me show you a few verses here. First of all, a common one is like Isaiah 55 verse 6, which says, Seek the Lord while you, he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The Lord is here. All you need to do is open your heart and to seek him. And the psalmist uh, 
King David wrote this in Psalm 27. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. King David was very sure about the way he needs to turn himself and look at God and to seek God's face all the while. And then we realize in, in the New Testament, in the teaching of Jesus, reminding his people not to be anxious over life, about what to eat, what to wear, uh, well, tomorrow. That's why Matthew chapter 6, that is 3 say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness, and all these things, our concern of life, will be added unto us as well. So here the Lord teaching to us beautifully, reminded us, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put God first in our life. You know, I came across this person who wrote something to remind us our position today in the reverse order. You know how he writes? This person writes, seek first all these things then the kingdom of God will add unto me. You got a point? And I like the way he put it in the way that we are most of the time perhaps see all these things, then the kingdom of God will add unto me. I hope this is not really true to us, but the order that God has for us is see first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto us. So we just kind of for your meditation to remind us how we approach God in the first place. Then back to Jeremiah text <coughs> in twenty-nine, you realize from the Bible commentary they're saying it's a, a long letter that God has given him to write or to tell the people, especially the people staying in Babylon. They were exiled, they were taken away from the homeland. And so the letter was more to encourage the people, be patient, and that God will take them back one day to the homeland. And this is kind of letter to remind them that even though they are away or being captured in a foreign country, that God has been with them all along. And God will kind of deliver them. Let me read to you this text here, Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plan for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. And you will seek me and find me. When you seek me and you will all with all your heart, God will be with you. And so here God kind of reminded people they're not to lose heart in where they were, but to continue to seek God in their own way. And here the Bible commentary will say that God has kind of assured them a future and a hope uh, for his people 
even though they are suffering in the foreign land, that God has a special purpose in allowing why they were there in the first place. And so we want to kind of open our lives to God, that in any situation, that God's hand is always with us. Because we got sometimes a good day, sometimes may not be a good day. Just like we meet the weather, right? Suddenly it's a hot and sunny day. Next moment, the rain comes, become rainy day for us. So here we learn from the Jeremiah text that God gave them the assurance they could call on God anytime and pray to Him and God will be there to listen to them. Even though they are kind of forbidden to worship God in a foreign land, God still able to receive the prayer and answer them accordingly. You will seek me and you will find me and you will search for me and all your heart. Even though they are in a dark kind of a situation, that God had not kind of left them, but he was to say that God continued to reveal himself and assure that they will be there with him uh, in the future. They will be delivered back to where they are. Uh, this is a good reflection for us, folks. First and foremost, we realize that God always cares for us. And He kind of free us from all our bondages. And no kind of bondages that we are in. Bondages like alcoholism, gambling, lustful desire, unhealthy practices, healthy lifestyle. I guess we name it, we have it, but the least can continue. You can read from the media, the kind of crimes or things that are happening around us. They are of the world and not from God. So the challenge for us is if we come from the kind of background, you are under the kind of bondage or even bondages, God can deliver us. God will assure us that we have a future in Him and hope. And so we kind of a reminder here for us that you and I may not know our future or even tomorrow, but we know God is there and He's going to guide us and lead us. So the meditation for us is how shall we go about seeking God? Well, there are many ways, but I would like to suggest two here for our meditation this morning. The first one is to approach God to worship. We seek God to worship. And secondly, be involved in the relational ministry. Uh, something I will go for as a personal ministry to you, whereby you will discover the living God is there with us. So how do we seek God through worship then? First and foremost, what God desires from us is the worship that is acceptable to Him. Not to our appearance, not to how much really we place in the offering bag or how much you have done for the Lord. Uh, we thank God for all this. But really what God goes for is the offering of a heart in worship. You come with a heart of worship. I believe it is not because MRT takes you here or a cab. 
or you walk. But we thank God the heart carry you here to worship the Lord. And so learning from the scripture, you realize King David was the man after God's own heart, right? And you see how he responded to God by looking at the text here in 1 Chronicles 29, 10-14. And let me read to you how David placed himself in worship of God. It is said here in 10, verse 10 of chapter 29, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hand are the strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your name. And finally, in verse 14, say, But who am I? And David asked himself, And who are my people? That we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we are given you only what comes from you and your hand. A wonderful thought in the sense that King David, as we will know, he was a king living in the Paris with all the big, uh, a great army with him, all the servants, all the wealth that he had. But he acknowledged it was all given by God to him. Because as far as he was concerned, there was nothing. Everything they had came from God. And so in the act of worship, he reminded himself that God deserved all the, 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 the kind of belonging or the wealth and more that God had given to them. And so here is a kind of reminder for us when we place ourselves in worship. First of all, to acknowledge how small we are, how empty we are. Quote unquote, can be how useless we are. It's only God transforming grace to make us where we can be. And so here is a good reminder for us to think of God in His greatness through worship. And then in the New Testament, we ask ourselves again, what about a worship of God? Here Jesus has something to kind of remind us when he was talking to the group of Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He found it in Matthew 15 verse 8 to 9 where he quoted, when the Lord quoted the prophecy given by my Isaiah in 29:13, Isaiah. And the Lord said to them, These people come near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The worship of me is based on merely humans' rules and they have been taught. In other words, we just perhaps order the rule, ritual, but we do not come with the heart of worship to God. And so we have to examine ourselves this morning. Every time, every Sunday, or moment of worship, how do you place yourself before God? 
And coupled to the other kind of meditation I prepare here is to look at the climbers, the mountaineers, who go up to the highest peak of the mount of the world, Mount Everest. You can see the slide there. How you can see the uh, uh, Mount Everest in this sand. Because recently the new came to us that there were death happen uh, to people who try to climb Mount Everest. Uh, it really surprised me to hear that because normally we thought it very safe, right? Now, how many of you climb Mount Everest? Now? <laughs> or ever go near to Mount Everest? <laughs> uh, to me, I haven't smelled of it yet, right? But here there are people making the way there. You can see the next slide. Uh, so much so they even cause traffic jam at Mount Everest. Uh, really, you know. And then you could say that those who die really are trying to conquer the mountain. Uh, either there or this lack of oxygen or the change of weather or the person really could not go on leading to his death or her death. Uh, what a sad thing. But there were those who really make up to the mountain top, so to speak, there was joy, jubilation and celebration for these folks. And there was this great sense of achievement. So the point for me to bring it to you folks, regardless how many of them have achieved Mount Everest, it never makes Mount Everest now smaller or lower or flattened. If you look at it, you will see you remain so intact, so majestic, glamorous, splendor, so far, as far as the eye can see. So in my mind, folks, that's the way that we see God Himself in us. That God is far more than Mount Everest. Amen to that, folks. Alright, so you can see how the picture of Mount Everest before us but the picture of God is could be thousand, thousand times greater than what we can see before our eyes. And so we ask ourselves this morning, in the act of worship, do we see the majestic, the glamour of God before us? And so according to Scripture, it will be good to remind ourselves that when we can find Him, and He will dwell in us, and He is always close to us. Question is, is God in your life? Are you worshipping Him with all your heart this day? It's a thought for us to bring home. That is God in your life? Are you worshipping Him with all your heart? The second thought to share with you this morning is on seeking God through the involvement or participation that we have in the relational ministry of the church. That's the way that we can really see God in us. As the saying goes, no man is an island. I know some of us still like to remain in an island. But we know that being created by God, we are a social being. We need friends. And we know friends come in different categories. They're a good one. 
the bad one and the ugly. That's why we have neighbors. But then you realize that no matter who they are and what they are, but we still need friends. And we want to thank God in the church, we have what they call the small group ministry, the cell. And it's for you and me to come on board to participate in this ministry, that the experience of God will be real to you. And Jesus told his people that where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst. And so here you discover that when you are in a small group ministry, you will have the sense of God present with you. Rather than you staying on your own and living by your own in a way. In fact, look at the growth of the disciple, especially in the life of Peter, where you know he was like the giant of, among the disciples. That how you, you look at his humble beginning. In John chapter 1, verse 40, say that his brother Andrew brought Peter to Jesus and introduced Peter, introduced Jesus to Peter. And it was through their interaction with Jesus, Peter became the disciple and even became the inner circus of Jesus later on. And when the Lord was resurrected, Peter took over the ham and he became the preacher of the gospel and the outspoken disciple of Jesus. But yet Peter had that humble beginning, simply because he joined in a small group. So the question for us folks, you will never know how God can mold our lives together with the simple and humble beginning that He places us in. So this morning in my meditation with you, I want to kind of to appear publicity and ask that you join a cell group. Especially those who are not yet. Alright, the registration table is here. Or you can come and see me or the staff or the, the other pastors. The pastor like to join the cell group. Please enroll me and leave me out with the rest of the people so that I won't be a man in the own island way. And somehow I'm glad to prepare a prayer for you, for those who yet to be in a cell or small group ministry. So can I ask you to bow down and pray with me, especially commit those who yet to join a cell. Let us pray. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, we pray for you our brothers and sisters in Christ who are yet to decide to join a cell or the small group ministry. Lord, you know who they are and how they feel about their commitment or even the fear of beating a cell. We pray for them, Lord, that you grant them the courage and desire to come into the family concept we have in our church that he or she can be a family member with us soon. And learning from the text in Jeremiah 29, that we are asked to seek you and to find you, and with all our hearts, and we'll be drawn closer to you. So Lord, we pray for these dear ones, 
you remind them that you have a wonderful plan for them not even now, not now only, but even the future for them. And so we pray that, Lord, they will respond to you in the prompting the Spirit to be a member of the family to come. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.